Hey world, it's nice to meet you. I'm Cassidy Jackson, and you are listening to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. More Gen Z authors seem to be coming out of the woodwork in the past few years, myself included. And I want us to be able to have a safe space to express ourselves, since the online world is a scary place, and we might feel extremely alone. In each episode, I am highlighting an amazing Gen Z author who has agreed to share part of their story online. Sit back, relax, and please, remember, you are never alone as an author of any age. Welcome, or welcome back to Cassie's Crafting Conundrum. This is actually the first in-person episode that I'm ever doing with one of, I guess, my in-real-life writing friends. We met in our creative writing seminar, actually, spring of 2023, and we've just been communicating over the summer, and so... Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm Grace. Uh, well, should I say um, Well, I'm not going to say what school I go to, but I'm a senior. I'm getting a degree in psychology and philosophy. So a lot of writer things there. But yeah, so it's been an interesting experience so far. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting to know that now I'm back on campus after a summer of pretty much doing one episode in like June and then taking a break. And then you haven't really been doing a lot of writing. No, it's so ironic just coming back and then doing a writing podcast because I'm like, oh my gosh, I was working every day over the summer and trying to squeeze in writing, but it didn't go too well. But yeah, so. And then there's me, I'm like, I actually decided to leave my job and pursue other things just in terms of, you know, uh, my degree and all of that. So what kind of stories do you write pertaining to like psychology and philosophy? So I tend to write, it's something I've been like, I don't know, I always feel like self-centered saying, oh, it's been something I'm good at, but I've always just like, gravitated towards doing more like emotional tone stories like I've done a few like just writing some short stories with like romance stuff and I've been doing a lot of like psychological thriller stuff lately um it's probably my favorite genre to read and yeah so I've been really getting into that what is your if you could have like any psychological thriller trope like to read and or to write what would it be um, oh gosh, I don't know. I know one of them that I'm doing right now that I'm really excited to talk about. It's it's gonna sound so crazy. So this idea came to me in a dream. Of course. Um, which it sounds insane, but I had this dream that I was like reading this book. all of this stuff and I kind of just woke up and I was like whoa that sounds kind of cool so I'm turning it into like a like a stalker story okay um, it's I do like 
Genre-wise to read, I really like stuff like The Secret History and If We Were Villains. I just like that, like the dark academia type, because there's so much you can do with the psychological thriller stuff with that. So I mean, you and I are both college students. <laughs> so if there is anything that a college student knows, it's how much work your brain takes, no matter if you're in a humanities degree or, you know, in a quasi-STEM degree, or, you know, a STEM degree, like, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so that would probably be my favorite at the moment, the, like, stuff like that, uh, with The Secret History. I read that one, I think, like, last year, and it still stuck with me, because it is one of my favorite books. Just the writing in it was really good, and just conveyed the tone, like, perfectly, so, yeah. If there was something that you could like improve on your writing, because I know we did like yeah. the creative writing seminar, like what would it be? Um, I, okay, so this is something that I've definitely been working on over the summer, and I think we're getting more into psychological thriller stuff. Is and I know like our creative writing teacher hated it, but the show don't tell. <laughs> it's been something I've been working on so much because like normally I'm okay with it. Yeah. when I'm writing a longer piece mm -hmm. but when it's something like a short story where there's not much I kind of found that I was like jumping around and not really explaining much so what I've been doing is a lot just I'll do little writing exercises like I'll watch an episode of a show or something and then try to like write out a scene from it and just like okay what do I know as the author versus what does the reader know? So if I just say something like, oh, this other character felt that, that isn't the point of view that I'm writing in. It's like, well, the reader doesn't know that. So it's stuff like that where I'm like, okay, I know what I know, but the reader doesn't know that. And that's what I need to write for. That's actually a really good point about the show not tell because I also have trouble with this. And I think every author, writer, screenwriter, basically, if you do any type of writing for like a job or a hobby, I feel like we all have this because we know a lot more than the reader does. And that's actually a really good tip, like potentially write it as if you're in a show. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always like that, that I'm just like, okay, let me put myself in the place of the reader. I, if you're writing, like, I normally just write in third person from, like, one strict point of view, and that character does not know how the other characters are feeling, so I can't just say, like, oh, this other character felt this. It has to be, like, okay, describe what they're doing to show that emotion yeah. or how they're feeling so that's what I've been working on a lot of I feel like with your degree especially like that is helpful because you can actually get inside the mind of the character but it's also kind of hard for you yeah at the same it's, time it's a weird distinction between it because it's like from what I know with psychology it's like okay I know how to describe these things really well like if I'm writing a character who is like anxious in a moment, I know how to describe that really well. Pull up the DSM-5. <laughs> Just do that. 
But then it's also like you get caught up in the writing mindset where you're just like, oh, I need to make this sound good and kind of deviate from that. Okay, what would this actually like what would actually be happening in real life if someone was feeling like that? Yeah, it's definitely a distinction because I'm actually starting. I finished the first draft of my dystopia, which I was so excited about. That was so cool. I'm so excited. And now I've actually started on a new project which is a why rom-com actually set in the university where we are at right now oh, i love that because you know how everyone's like you know show don't tell but also write what you know yeah and i'm like well i'm gonna be here for the next however many months exactly so i might as well just you know be in a familiar area yeah exactly but i have to be like i'm writing from two different points of view in first person and they're kind of two different halves of me so I do get like you know having to separate the characters and figure out what does this character know what does this character know and then the side character oh yeah now side characters are so hard because you need to know so much about them for so little <laughs> no I literally have backstories for one of in my YA rom-com like the male leads parents I have like their whole backstory figured out and I'm like and then I have the grandparents I'm just like how how do you keep them all straight if there's like any advice that you have I would love to know I don't know for for me a lot of what I've done is I again it comes from knowing psychology and I can confidently say I know it now that I'm a senior and not like a freshman saying I'm studying psychology but um it's a lot just like what I've done is like, okay, I take my main character and just do a character character profile for what I want like them to be like. And then I go like, okay, so this character is like this. What in their family would make them act like that? Something like that. Like if they're doing something that's more of a trauma response, it's like, okay, would something in their family have to like had occur in order for that to happen would it be a dynamic with their parents stuff like that so i like i don't know if it's so much a tip or just what i do but i always just stem everything like from the main character and then build it around that that's actually pretty interesting because i've never actually made characters like that for me i literally just i know people are like you know, pantsers, which is basically me where I literally have vibes and just write. I, I do that a ton. Like, I mean, it's the ADHD mindset. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, I'll try to plan something out and then I start writing it and I'm like, hmm, let me do something else. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why. I mean, I've been writing off and on since I was 13. So it's been off and on for seven years. But up until like my YA dystopia that I basically debuted in our creative writing class last semester, I had never finished a draft in my entire life. And so for me to be like going from vibes to chapters yeah. to like an actual plot, I'm like, it's weird. It's a lot. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, oh, I need to think of like a plot and everything. I can't just write <laughs> If everybody could just write and vibe, it's fine. But that's what revising and editing yeah. is for. Have you actually ever finished a draft? Um, no. Well, this is probably going to get cut. I have a fan fiction. 
But um, yeah, this is side note that's probably gonna get cut. But yeah, like I mean, when I was younger, I used to everybody did fanfic. Everybody, everybody to write started with that. It's like you can't not. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. Like people are like, there are actual novels that are written that are based of fanfic oh. off of other novels. I mean, essentially. Fairy tale retellings are fanfics of the fairy tales. Uh, what was it like? How Fifty Shades of Grey is a Twilight fanfic, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But what was like, your like gateway fandom? Harry Potter. <laughs> you know what? A lot of people are like. I know there's a lot of like discourse out there, but. Harry Potter, in a way, definitely, I think, shaped our kind of Gen oh, Z yeah. generation a little bit. And I think, too, because J.K. Rowling is an awful person, just the people who have written fan fiction about him, it's just gotten to a point where it's, like, less just retellings of the story and more just, like, you're writing your own story just with characters that already exist. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know I mentioned in season one, episode six, like I have like a fan fiction account, but I just have stopped updating because life gets in the way and then it gets buried in the AO3 kind of. I have one on AO3 right now that I want to finish because it is like a huge fic. Like I have like 50,000 words written of it. Um, You've written a novel, my friend. That's a novel. The first year and like two chapters of the second year. There's actually um, a Harry Potter. Is it all the young dudes? No. This, I've heard of that one though. That is, okay. If you like, like, do you like Harry Potter? I do. I do enjoy it. Marauders era, like all of that. That's the one that I'm writing. Um, And I, it's well written, but I have a problem with it. Just the characterization can oh. can and then it was not. Oh, okay. So kind of a little bit of like author it, kind of. Yeah, it was switch. like good. Like, I, I mean, everybody has their own interpretation of those characters, oh, yeah. especially because they're just not written. Yeah. <laughs> really. mm-hmm. But um, I just didn't like the way it was characterized. And there's a bunch better. <laughs> I know for me, there is that I started reading and actually devoured. I literally stayed up all night reading on Wattpad called Potter. I feel like I've heard of that. Like by Lily Brooks, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been on the platform for like a fat while. Mm-hmm. I think like almost 10 years at this point. But I, I'm so glad it's still up. Because, like, the characterization and the way that the author does, like, Draco's redemption arc. No, that's my favorite because that just got cut out so much. And, like, in the books, I wish it was explored more, especially the movies. Just none of it there. I think there's a little bit in the sixth movie. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I remember like I was discussing with one of my writing friends and I mentioned like my AO3 fanfic and she's like, and I mentioned it was about Draco and she was like, is it a Dramani fic? And I'm like, I think you know me better by now than like, Dramani fic. What, like I 
if you know me by now, like I am not like the one where I'm like, oh, I'm gonna ship this and this and this and this. I'm like, it's either canon or platonic shipping. Like that, that's it. Yeah. I like I like the ones that are like I like the shipping, but the ones that are like dreary or like oh. and stuff like that, where it's basically canon, but she just didn't write Right, yeah. Because like any of those fics, like especially the dreary ones, it's not really deviating from the actual story. No, because if you, like, when I was first reading it at, like, 10, I was like, Harry is not like bisexual at all. He's like, but the thing is, as you read it, it's like canon in the book. The entire sixth movie where he's just obsessed with Draco. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right, I know you don't like him, but that's a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. I think that might have also been, like, my gateway into realizing wait I actually like want to write and I want to do this but actually my introduction I think to writing in itself was in my eighth grade I know I mentioned this in previous podcasts but like my eighth grade honors English class where we read I think Wish You Well by David Baldacci I, I know I butchered his last name but like you know it's fine I apologize <laughs> But it was just, it resonated with me so much that my first novel that I wrote at 13 was literally just that, but with different characters. We've all been there where it's like you read a book and you're like, I'm going to write a novel and it's just the same book with different characters. Like I did that, what one did I do? I probably did that with Harry Potter at some point. I think I did it with the Hunger Games one time. Okay, that's fair though. Yeah. But I think my, like, first gateway into creative writing was when I was in elementary school, we had to do every year these, like, standardized tests. Oh, my gosh. I forget what they're called off the top of my head, but I cannot remember. No. But we always had a writing portion of it, and it was, like, a creative writing, uh, like, section of it, which was really cool. So I just always loved that because I'm like, my gosh this is so fun yeah I feel like that was just my like introduction to it where I was like this is something I really love to do see that's the whole thing with like the only like writing I ever did in standardized testing was standardized testing was on the ACT like in elementary school I don't remember anything about writing I remember like doing the presidential fitness test I remember I remember doing you know writing and reading and math like in the United States standardized testing is taken so seriously it's absolutely insane it is like we had to do them every year and I think the creative writing portion of it stopped probably when I was in like I don't know maybe fifth grade because I know it was soon like I only did it for a couple years Mm -hmm. why am I taking standardized tests when I'm in elementary school? I'm not even 10 yet. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I remember, you know, when my cousin was, I think, 12 or 13, and they live, her family lives in London. And my uncle, who was raised in the suburbs of D.C., he's, he's like, being like, Cassie, you're taking standardized testing, right? Or you took it in high school. And I'm like, yeah. It's like my 12-year-old daughter is taking basically the equivalent of the ACT to get, I think, to secondary school or whatever it was. And I'm just like, excuse me? 
my baby cousin at like 12 is taking the equivalent of the ACT or the SAT, I would, I would not survive. No, no, I like the, for me, it was just my high school did every year. I think we took the SAT, what, junior year? Yeah. Um, so our freshman and sophomore year, they had us, like they forced us to take the PSAT. Oh, it was just like, okay, good. This is good practice, which it wasn't like, I don't remember doing anything. They didn't right. beyond yeah. that. They were like, here's a test, just take it. Um, but I always just hated it and the SAT, like I didn't take the AC ACT because it wasn't just like a big thing at my school at all. Yeah. But um, it was just like, I feel like it wasn't an accurate uh, demonstration of your skills because it's like, I can't, like, I can do this. If you gave me this and I had all the time in the world to do it, I'd get a perfect score, probably. Mm -hmm. But I can't do this when I'm trying to, like, figure things out or write in a time constraint because then it's like, okay, no, I can't do that. I don't yeah. have time to think. No, what I love is that now as we're, like, in college and colleges, like, since the pandemic, I remember when I was doing I think submissions or college applications or whatever it's called in the fall winter of 2021 yeah no it was 2020 I was, gonna I was say, 2020 hold on a second hold on a second it was like the fall of 2020 yeah I was gonna say wait a minute yeah no math and I were I've been traveling it's okay we get it but anyway, it was the fall of 2020 and I open up the college application, like the Common App. And then when you go into like the specific colleges and it's like SAT slash ACT optional. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, no, I, cause I did all the applications in like 2019. When I applied to school, it was just like, I I did the early admission mm -hmm. so I had to do all of that stuff but something I found is probably why they're making those tests optional is I did not score well on my SAT like I was not like I think for my class mm -hmm. the average SAT score was like 1500 I did not score that and I think they based it a lot on your writing Oh, it's something I found because I knew like my English teacher because I was in AP lit at the mm -hmm. time she had done like workshops with each of us individually for any of our like our college essay and any supplemental essays or writing pieces we had to do mm -hmm. and she said that mine were like really good and really well written and convincing so I was like hmm, maybe that I think that's a, a big Thing, like a big contributing factor to it which is another thing writing helps with yeah writing actually helps in all jobs no matter if it's like creative writing or like standardized tests but like for me it definitely messed me up in terms of like you have to do this in a time constraint like most people with ADHD if you do not have it do not do well with time no. constraints no. at all and so like you, you and I might be good at writing, Grace, but like within a time constraint, like I know because I took the SAT that had the like writing portion, and I'm just like, first of all, I write slow, 
So that was a problem to begin with because it was handwritten. Um, and second, I'm just like, I don't have time to write this if I think about the prompt. Yeah. So I'm just writing. And I was like, I know it doesn't make sense. You know, the fact that basically how I wrote my ACT essay was basically how I plot out books is literally like, you have an idea, AKA like the prompt. And then you're like, okay, I have vibes. <laughs> what it was, I was like, oh, okay, that's a problem. Let's just start writing. Yeah, because there, there's no time. And that's what I love about like creative writing in general, because like, since I'm not looking for an agent yet, I can literally take all the time in the world. Are you actually considering traditionally publishing? Um, I don't know, because a lot of what I'm working on right now are just short stories. So I'm kind of like just working on those and trying to get a feel of like the genre that I really excel at and mm -hmm. love to write the most. And then I want to look towards like, I have like a thousand and one novel ideas. Like, I mean, I'm sure you can relate. They just like came to you and were like, oh, that would make a good book. So I just want to get like a good grasp on something before mm -hmm. I just like, go at it and also because I'm graduating soon I'm going to have a lot of free time to do it because I'm taking a year off in between graduation and when I go to grad school so I was like okay you know what? I just have a year I'm gonna mm -hmm. be working but I can just focus on writing and like figuring all of this out before I have to go back to school and focus on that <laughs> yeah I know this summer all I did every single day in July and almost every single day in August was right yeah because that's the thing like time that's what I did um not this past summer but the one before my job had like cut my hours like oh um we don't really have any hours for you so I was like oh okay that's cool so I would just be at home all day writing and I got so much done like I was going crazy writing. Yeah. So for your short stories, are they also like psychological thrillers mostly? Yeah, that's what I've been doing a lot of just because I found that that genre is easy to write like full length novels, but also to do in like a more restricted, shorter space. Yeah. Um, because it's a lot more, and this is something I like about it and to touch more on like the emotional aspect of writing. It's a lot more you can do that stuff in a really short space and like, uh, no, why am I forgetting the word? <laughs> you can twist it and like add all these plot twists in and build the characters with psychological aspects that aren't just like, fully driven by their uh I, like their I know the one I'm doing right now was the one that I thought of in a dream and it's just like this doesn't entirely give away the plot or the ending which I think is a really cool thing that I like about any sort of like thriller horror genre um because you can really work on that build up and character development until the very end and it's just like you get to watch all of their interactions mm -hmm. and that's what 
reveals their true character, not just their inner monologue. Yeah. So I really love that. Or like, I know stuff like the secret history with an unreliable narrator. I just love, that's my favorite thing to write and read because it's like, something else is happening but that's not what you're reading about so you can pick it up from like the little things yeah and that's what I love doing yeah there's actually a whole podcast episode just basically on like unreliable narrators and what my guest and I realized on that is basically unreliable narrators are human so essentially everybody should be writing unreliable narrators yeah. aka humans in character like human characteristics within like a character if that makes sense and like as going into like psychology the quote-unquote rise of like the unreliable narrator do you like enjoy that I, I do just because it's fun to explore someone's inner psychology how their brain is working while also simultaneously writing a story that's happening outside of them because it's like you're writing two stories at once especially when you're really getting into it like when that's the like characterization of your main character like fully it's nice because like especially with psychology you know what they're doing but then it's also like, okay, how is their inner monologue affecting the world around them? But how is the world around them actually working versus how do they see it? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of aspects that go into it. Yeah. Um, so I like it. It's really fun. What I love about you being like a psych major with, do, are you a double major in philosophy or a minor? minor okay but what I love about your kind of like major and minor is that you can actually use that in writing and it's gonna help you a lot yeah I found a lot like psychology is probably such a good like thing to know even if it's not like you don't need to get a psych degree to know psychology but just like researching it like I don't know how you feel about Colleen Hoover okay I that I have very mixed feelings about it. I, so I have read, I've only read one of her books. And from a psychology standpoint, I didn't like it. Just because it's like the writing was good, but I don't like her just take on some of these novels where it's like, I don't take trauma and make it into like this, uh, oh, it's a romance novel. It's like, no, if you're going to write a book about trauma, write a book about trauma don't try to make it into this cute happy thing yeah like because trauma is not and you know as a psychology major like trauma is not something to romanticize i didn't like and it's kind of like romanticizing for yeah glamorizing this traumatic event that these characters are going through like the one i read was it ends with us oh my grandmother read that my grandmother I I haven't read another one of her books but I've heard Verity is good I think I've heard that that one's good because it's not like any of her other ones but it ends with us was just like okay the writing was okay but it was just if you're going to write about someone going through a really traumatic situation actually do that and respect it Mm -hmm. don't like 
just turn it into something that's super unrealistic and like, oh, but she gets this happy ending and it's all it's all well and good and she has all these support systems. Mm -hmm. That's not the experience that a lot of people have. And like a quick little Google search about psychology could tell you that. Yeah. So I think that's why knowing psychology is such a good thing because you can actually handle a lot like deeper harder topics mm -hmm. with care yeah rather than not like just writing something that isn't an accurate depiction of it no I like that you bring up Colleen Hoover because there is a lot of discourse about her writing and from like a psychology book <laughs> yeah that I know we shouldn't be laughing about that but like I feel like we're laughing about it because like that's the only emotion that can be depicted it's just so like you read that book and then you're like oh now there's a coloring book it's like there's a what <laughs> I know there was a lot of like like one of my very good friends he loves to read he has read a lot of Colleen Hoover's books and I'm over here going honey like I love you but at the same time, kind of like what, you know, J.K. Rowling and what we discussed a little bit earlier about how horrible she is as a person. Like, I respect people as people. But for me, having gone through like traumatic experiences, hearing just through the grapevine that an author has basically romanticized trauma yeah. as somebody who has gone through trauma is yeah. like as somebody who has also gone through traumatic experiences it's I'm just reading it like that is not correct like it ends with us she has an immediate support system that she has throughout the whole thing um she lets her abusive ex visit her child on a regular basis and like they're totally fine and like civil with each other and I, I'm reading it like mm -hmm. that's not that's not good that's not right like yeah. that's not people's experience and proper research yeah. like handling traumatic emotional any sort of thing like that in writing it needs to be handled properly and yeah. with care because the writing really suffers when you don't mm -hmm. and I found that a lot yeah for me, with my YA rom-com, I'm actually putting, like, some of my own trauma in there. So I don't have a psychology degree, but I have, like, experience in the trauma. And that essentially is almost the same thing as a psychology degree. just a little bit deeper. <laughs> but I know for me, it's interesting in a way to be, like, looking at trauma with, like, two different sides. Because, like, you've like you have a psychology degree but you've also gone through trauma at the same time mm -hmm. so do you have trouble like differentiating between that when you're writing something from your own experiences it's, it's yeah I will say that it's like something that I talked a lot about in therapy too it's like you know one thing and you know it from like a textbook experience but then you also know it from a personal experience and that's something like I mean, in psych classes, you just, you learn about, like, here's what happens and how it affects people, and, like, here's the, like, different intervention strategies, but when you've actually gone through something traumatic or something you learn about, it's very different because you understand it on a personal level and not just on, like, a clinical school textbook level, yeah. um, which I think that that is definitely like having the personal experience. Not that it's a good thing that people have trauma, 
but <laughs> it is definitely like writing from that perspective is a lot more helpful for me than using like, okay, this is what I learned in class. So that's what I'm going to write. It's like, you really need to, like, if you have the experience with it, it's just written so much better because it's real. Yeah. Not just an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know for me, I have a lot of like manipulation kind of underhand tactics in my why dystopia because the villain is essentially and i might actually tap into you just for your knowledge on stuff like that's like the antagonist is very like manipulative but everybody trusts her and i'm like you know what i've had personal experiences with somebody who has literally been like hey you know trust me and everything will be fine and it doesn't end up fine which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to and then in my YA rom-com I'm dealing with like the effects of like being bullied for most of your childhood and then going away to college and being able to start over but at the same time not being able to start over because like the emotions are still there the trauma is still there mm -hmm. yeah and I think a lot too like back to differentiating between them mm -hmm. I think the personal experience is like it it really improves your writing when you're writing about something like that because like you know it but it's really also easy to get caught up in it rather than because like it's the same thing I feel like with show don't tell um, it's like that's what I found a lot is if I'm writing something that I have personal experience with I'm getting caught up in it where it's more like, oh, well, this is like how I'm feeling and I feel like I'm not describing it as well as I could be because it's like, that's what I know, but that's not what everybody knows. Yeah. So it's definitely good to find a balance between that, that I found at least. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Balance is hard, especially like in life, but also in terms of like writing because there are personal experiences that people go through and people put in their writing, whether it's like a large trauma or a small trauma or even like a minuscule trauma that people don't think is a big deal. Like there are a lot of things that can be considered trauma and you yeah. know this just like in class. And in a way, everybody inputs a little bit of that trauma in every single book that they write. Yeah. And so going back to what you said earlier in the episode about, you know, getting into the reader's mindset and being like, okay, if I read a synopsis of, you know, this novel, would I be able to figure out, you know, the characters as I'm reading just from the beginning? And that is why most authors, after a first draft, they just read it and like tear their own drafts <laughs> apart. Yeah. It, it's definitely very hard because like you're writing and you're just like oh this is so good I'm just going along and writing and then you have to go back and it's really hard to look at it from a perspective that isn't you like and that's the hardest thing because it's like I know the characters but I'm not supposed to when I'm reading through this draft right. mm -hmm. and it's really hard to get that perspective on that is why I love alpha and beta readers because all they have is 
you know, potentially an outline, potentially, you know, a novel, potentially like the premise, the idea behind the novel, and then like a synopsis or blurb summary, but that's all they get. And then they have like this short story or this novel, and then that's how you can get like a reader perspective without actually having to kind of separate yourself because I know for me, it's going to be so hard for me once I finish like the second draft of my YA dystopia and I finish my first draft of the YA rom-com, I'm going to be like, I know these characters like the back of my hand, but I'm not going to be able to actually give the like the story justice unless I get outside perspective. Mm -hmm. And I know in our creative writing seminar, our teacher was basically like, you know, it's okay to have people read your work. And it's it's a very intimate and like emotional thing, oh, yeah. literally handing your stories or like in our creative writing seminar, like our poems, we literally passed them around. And that was like, I think maybe 75% of our grade was literally turning the stuff in yeah. and giving feedback. And you, we actually learned a lot about each other from that. I know. It was just reading everybody's work. It's like, oh, yeah, we're just getting into everybody's personal here. It was like, everybody's business is just out on the table. Yeah. And like, you being a like psych major, you're probably like reading in between the lines with everybody being like, okay, so this is what this means. And like, was that actually what you were doing? Like, just subconsciously as you were going through? Yeah, I loved all the poetry that was turned in, but. For some reason, I'm so bad at poetry. It's like, I can write it just because, I mean, as you saw, my writing style is that more poetic yeah. style. Mm -hmm. So, like, writing it, not a huge problem. But reading it, I'm just kind of like, wow, this sounds pretty. <laughs> but I'm trying to pull the meaning. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> um, But, which is so weird, because I feel like that's the one thing I should be good at. <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> no because what strikes I think me but also you is like poetry is like emotional it's supposed to like elicit feelings and elicit emotions but like I also can't discern meaning from poetry because I think it from my perspective like I am such an emotional person that if I don't relate to the subject matter I'm not gonna discern yeah. meaning from it <laughs> Yeah, and like too, I feel like poetry is just something that's so personal that it's like I didn't really feel like I could do it justice making a ton of edits and everything. Yeah, else. I'm like, okay, this is what I think might be improved, but if that's what you wanted to say, then that's like your story to tell. Yeah, like your poem is mm -hmm. not mine to be like this is wrong. Right, it's like you could do like you could word this better, and I'm like poetry because like and you know this being like a short story like novelist or a novelist like short story like writer whatever every word matters and it matters whether you're writing a full-length novel a short story a novella or like poetry like every word is specifically placed there and to have somebody be like you could like reword this better but like in a novel like it's fine whatever Novel is fine, but poetry is just a—it's personal. Like right. you're not writing a general experience. Like, no, something we saw in class. It's like people weren't writing generalized experiences. Oh no, no, no! It's like this is your experience, and I don't want to be—I don't want to be like maybe word this differently. It's yeah, 
like it's your personal mm -hmm. um, like that's what you wanted to write and that's what's good right and I think like that's why I decided to do the novel first because I was like well before I decide like what poems to actually like would I feel comfortable like sharing because that that's a whole other oh, can of worms. to see what other people were turning in first because I'm just like okay, yeah I'm supposed to be right <laughs> no because like going back to that also goes back to like your psychological thrillers it's like what is actually okay because like psychological thrillers are known for being like very messed up and known for being like and that's why I turned in something different because it's like I like writing stuff like the like silly little romance stuff and getting into the emotional aspect of that because I just really love dealing with that I feel like my writing style does that justice a lot but I love just writing a psychological thriller horror stuff and I was like oh, I shouldn't be turning this in I might get a, a call from the teacher and just be like hey uh, I might just get an email from her being like hello email like um so about your story are you okay <laughs> I think that's the first thing that people who beta read like psychological thrillers or even like alpha read psychological thrillers they're like everything has to stem from something. So like your ideas obviously stem from like dreams and potentially like personal experiences that you've had, but are there any that have come from like outside experiences that you've had? I've done a lot. Like, I mean, one of my favorite shows is Black Mirror. And I, I mean, I love it. It's like all psychological thriller mm -hmm. every episode. So I like just watching that to get inspiration to do different things where it's like oh okay so maybe I could do something where like turning technology into a psychological thriller or like right that would be so cool yeah and just playing around with that a lot it's something I might start working on honestly one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes does that a lot where it's like psychological thriller like all these people like dying and everything but it's because of technology yeah. oh that would be really cool yeah for me like I I had a faith I think in middle school into early high school where I should not have been reading the books that I was reading we've all been <laughs> for most people it's romance for me it was psychological thriller like it was Stephen King like I read Stephen King's in 14 which I should not have read watching like true crime when I was in fifth grade and I'm like this is so interesting it's either romance or it's psychological thriller there is no in between <laughs> one of those two like yeah and for you and me like I was reading John Grisham's like very adult like psychological thrillers I was reading like Stephen King like I waited for it because like I was I think self-aware enough to be like I'm not ready for the stuff in that book if you were under the age of like 16 17 I would recommend not reading it by Stephen King <laughs> almost any Stephen King novel just because like I love the way that he writes his psychological thrillers but 
like I think you and I like it's so hard to explain in a very like PG rated way. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Because his novels are very like R rated. If that if there's a way to describe it in a PG that way, is, yeah. it's like it's very R. Yeah. So I was definitely way too young <laughs> to read that. I've been reading that. But, but I mean, it turned us into the people we are today. I mean, you're literally still in your obviously psychological thriller phase for yeah. the days. I've never really left, I guess. And I I've had phases where I've been like in and out, but I love like psychological thrillers. I love horror just because like I don't know. This might be like a red flag kind of <laughs> but I, I just enjoy like the mystery of it all. Yeah, it's any novel, short story, whatever that can build suspense well is just so interesting to read because it's like that's something you really get from watching like shows or movies. But for someone to do that just by writing words on a page is really like just so good and it's really like you have to be really talented to do that and I admire it a lot. You are attempting to do the same thing and I admire you for trying because I know I could not. Like I might be able to write dystopian, I might be able to write, you know, rom-coms and realistic fiction. Psychological thriller though, I don't know if I'd be able to tap into that part of myself because I feel like everybody has a part of them of their writing self or whatever where they can tap into different genres but it's how well that like they can tap into yeah. like, the genre kind of little tidbits or whatever I know I'm explaining a horrible <laughs> I think you understand what I mean so for you besides like psychological thriller horror like romance would you consider like fantasy or dystopia or realistic fiction I, so I read like a good deal of like fantasy books and stuff and I love them but it's something I've tried to write and I don't know why it's like my thing I have been told that I'm really great at like world building and all of that stuff and like describing it so I don't know why it's like I think I just keep getting caught up in other people's ideas whenever I try to do something like that and then I'm like, well, I want to make it something original, but there's so much out there that I'm like, I just can't do it. That's the thing, though. Like, tropes are tropes for a reason. Like, they come up. But one of my online writing friends, she literally texted me and she was like, hey, Cassie, would you mind, like, answering from a writer's perspective? Like, has every story already been written? And I, I wrote her like an, like basically almost a mini essay about being like the gist of it was like, no, because everybody has their own experiences, which you know, as a psych major, like everybody is their own person. It's like you can even take like, I mean, there are so many tropes that have been done all the time, obviously, but it's even just like reading them, they're all very different because it's someone else's perspective on it. So it's like, okay, you could do like, I don't know, enemies to lovers or something like that. It's probably 101 books, probably more, but that's just a number I'm using um, that have that trope. But they're all very different because it's like they're different characters, different setting and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like, yeah, definitely not every book has been written. For me, I would also not brave into fantasy. 
but I think that's because I don't have time to do this yeah, for justice. It's so much goes into that, that it's like, cause you're really starting everything from scratch. Okay. It's like, it's fully just something that you're creating. Like, it's just, there's not really many original aspects in it or not, not original. What's the word I'm looking for? Pre-existing elements of it. Like you're not basing it off of a real place. Like you're fully creating one. Right. You might have like an inkling of an idea. Like I know some of my writing friends, they're definitely into like the mythologies, but they like just have the baseline and then they've just changed everything else. So like they have gods and goddesses and like deities, but then like everything else is different. Like that's basically all the same. So I think you would definitely, if their books ever come out, I will definitely be like, Grace will definitely read them. Uh Yeah, for sure. But I know there's stuff like that too, or like books like The Song of Achilles, which is another one I really like. It's like really well written, but it's just a retelling of like what is it? it's the Iliad. I think it's a retelling of okay. yeah. But it's so original from that that I'm just like, okay, maybe it's not everyone's favorite book, but gotta give it props for the fact that it's like the the Iliad is a story that has existed forever. Yeah. And to do something and just take that and make it original mm-hmm. is really, really cool. And as somebody who has attempted to read the Iliad but never has gotten through it, it's a fat book. So the fact that the author literally sat down and was like, okay. Yeah. The Iliad. <laughs> like this is what I want to write about. Like props to the author because like I could never like I'm thinking back to my freshman my ninth grade I was like I think 14 and my teacher is just just like we're gonna read the Odyssey <laughs> like you know I had to read that multiple times I read it in high school and then I had to read it again for a college class in my freshman year um it is so hard to get through because it's just so long but I mean another thing it's kind of like no it's not the same thing but it was really cool too is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with so many aspects from like Paradise Lost that my senior year of high school my AP lit class we read Frankenstein and then read Paradise Lost that is something that it was really cool to read them both because you read Frankenstein and you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then you read Paradise Lost and you understand all the references that are made and it just makes it so much better. But that is a lengthy thing to read and it's hard to get through. Yeah. And I'm just kind of comparing it back to like some, maybe like your psych textbooks that are essentially almost impossible to get through because of how long it is. But you're also very interested in like the subject matter because I actually have props to like textbook writers because they have to get teenagers and young adults interested in the subject matter. That's a very hard thing to do. But, and then a lot of times too, like now that I've been taking the higher level classes, we won't have textbooks. We'll just show up to class and there'll be like a PowerPoint and then we'll just talk about it. Like talk about, okay, what would we do for an intervention? So like props to the textbook writers because 
taking what we do in class and making that into an entire textbook that's insane <laughs> i can't imagine like the psychology that goes behind like even attempting to write a textbook because it's just I, if I think like writing a psychological thriller is impossible for me, I definitely would not be able to write like a psychology textbook. Yeah, I like, I mean, I'm environmental policy. So like, that's not even my realm. I was like, I'm definitely not going to attempt to write a, a psychology textbook. That is not, but I'm also not going to attempt to write like an environmental policy textbook because obviously I'm a junior in college now. It's so weird to think about, but at the same time, it's like I'm not knowledgeable enough in the subject. Yeah, and it's like especially for textbooks, you can't be biased at all when you're writing them because like it's just facts, mm -hmm. and you have. To, and I feel like that's the hardest thing to do in writing any sort of nonfiction yeah. is that you can't be biased. You have also to. in like fiction as well because with psychological thrillers because they're like based in psychology I feel like authors and maybe you can like input this as well as like authors have to be very careful not to say the wrong thing or research the oh, wrong yeah. thing because people will call them out yeah yeah <laughs> it, it's definitely you have to really look to make sure you're getting the right information for stuff um I mean I definitely lean towards the more like creative psychological thrillers rather than the ones that are more based on true events and stuff like that but yeah doing any sort of thing that is like closely related to something that has happened in the real world it's you need to make sure you're getting the right information yeah I literally have in my twitter header like Cassidy Jackson like why dystopian realistic fiction author because I feel like for me just personally having like a wide scope of like dystopia but also like I can have subgenres in there mm -hmm. I definitely want to write like a dystopia with like a historical fiction kind of sub genre because I feel like nobody's done that before I, it's not something I've heard of so <laughs> yeah that's the thing you have off the top of my head yeah, yeah I can't think of any books that like have that because dystopia in itself is just such a genre like a separate genre much like psychological thriller like you most people don't subgenre that because it's so hard. I mean, mystery is something that you can definitely just shove in there. But I like complications. So I would throw in, you know, like historical fiction. I might even do like sci-fi or fantasy because I like complications and I hate my brain for doing that. But that's like the ADHD brain, like overcomplicating everything. And I think that's why I have such a hard time in like STEM because it's just based in facts oh, yeah. uh -huh. that that's like why I like well it's like psychology is based in facts but it's also just something that's always changing like there's new theories and different like like everything is always changing as we learn more where stem is just like very set in stone like here's how you do chemistry it hasn't changed in 400 years. chemistry as soon as you mentioned chemistry, I'm sure so many people just got flashbacks. I I got this. <laughs> I also for me that was physics. Yeah, I and no, mm -hmm. not no. physics either. I mean, I was a very heavy like science and math heavy STEM major, and then I was like, you know what? Nope. I, I actually was too when I. Uh, first like my freshman year I entered as a human physiology major yeah, right. and yeah um 
but then it was like I had kind of known pretty much when I started like I took AP psych my senior year of high school and from that point on I was kind of just like I like this a lot better so I changed my major after my first semester um but it was still it's just like it's something that's always changing and finding new things whereas like just STEM was really just not for me. It was too set in stone. And that's like, I want something that can grow and evolve. And yeah. we learn more because it's like, when you're doing things like therapy and everything, it's like, you got to change with it. You yeah. can't just be like, okay, well, this is what I learned in school. So this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, you need to keep learning. And that's what I like about it. Yeah, for me, what I am enjoying about environmental policy, again, it's like the fluidity of it, because much like writing, like there are like, quote unquote, rules that you have to follow. But at the same time, like you can break them, you can bend them, you can do like a whole bunch of stuff, and it'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like with psych, it's like, if you're a therapist, which is what I want to do, like when you're with a client, no one person is the same. So it's just like you take what you learned and you have to adapt it to your environment, to the people you're working with. And that it's just something I really like because you're not just stuck doing the same thing. Um, one of my very, very close friends, they are doing physics. And as soon as they told me that, I made fun of them. Because yeah. <laughs> all of that. But the fact that they're sticking with it is so brave to me because much like venturing into, you know, genres that I might not want to write, but like attempt, my it's like I, I, I don't know if I would do that to myself, you know? I wouldn't want to put myself in a position where I could get stuck yeah uh-huh that's the biggest thing it's like and two like you're saying it's just sticking with like writing one genre and like just staying with that where it's like okay I'm doing dystopian and that's it that's the only thing I'm writing with like no variation it's like you're gonna get bored yeah and I think that's something too I like about uh psychological thrillers horror, everything is that literally every single thing you do is different like there's no one that's the same it's mm -hmm. just all just like okay you can be writing psychological thrillers but you're not stuck doing the same thing because each one is so different and plus psychology is always evolving so you almost always have more yeah. material to work with getting more perspectives so it's like oh I could use that and mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah is there anything that you would take just from like that a professor has just said and turn it into an idea? Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think, I know what this past spring, so like spring 2023, um, I took a class on, uh, was it? it was like family violence, huh. but it was super interesting, but it covered like, all different kinds of trauma and stuff like that and we did a lot of things where it's like newer things like a lot of stuff coming out of COVID uh -huh. um, and I think that would be really cool like not specifically writing about COVID but that's something that's brand new mm -hmm. and no one's really writing about like okay here's something with like this 
pandemic and let's turn it into this like horror thing but it's like so it's kind of learning about that and the aftermath of it in not I wouldn't say traumatic situations because I wouldn't write about that like people don't want to read that in a horror thing it's not going to make them feel too good no (laughs) but just kind of taking like okay what stuff that this could cause that's really bad Mm -hmm. and going from there and writing about it that I think would be really cool to do at some point so you would never take something like a professor said, but maybe like a subject matter. Yeah, yeah. probably. Also, because ADHD off the top of my head can't really remember. <laughs> yeah, that is so fair. I know for me, like I'm literally coming up with these questions like just on the spot. So I, I'm like, no crap at all. But you know, that's that's kind of how I roll as a person, and that is why I say like I'm dystopian realistic fiction. And that's why you say, like, you're a psychological horror and horror. Like, there's always, like, some other genre that people are writing. Because, again, like, the monotony of just one thing. You're going to get burned out. You're going to just not enjoy the writing you're doing anymore. Yeah. Which is why, like, having, like, multiple genres that you write is a good thing. And I'm not saying, like, just writing one genre is bad. Like, that's great. Yes. If you can stick yeah, with that, honestly, if you can stick with that and not get tired of it, bad props to you. Oh, oh. But and I know another book that I read like a few months ago that was so good that did it was a psychological thriller, but specifically reminded me of like psych classes because it was um oh my gosh, who's the author also tell me? You remember the title? Bunny. Okay. Uh, yeah so it's a psychological thriller it's amazing like it it's a really slow start and there were some parts of it that I didn't like like it was kind of too overly descriptive about oh. it. but you get to the end and you find out this plot twist and it's just like whoa and especially I don't want to spoil it but yeah. it has to deal with like a mental illness mm-hmm. and in knowing psychology you just you hear that and you're kind of like as you're reading it it's the same like more things get revealed that you're kind of like okay something's going on here that isn't this really crazy story that seems like it's not real but you're being led to believe it's real and then you start believing it Mm -hmm. but there's some little things that are like that seems wrong and then it just gets the plot twist revealed and like probably I think it's the second to last chapter and it doesn't specifically say it Mm -hmm. but then it's like obviously like I could figure out what was going on and then like my gosh going back through it and just like whoa all of that makes sense now and I think that's a huge thing knowing psychology is you can do stuff like that where you fully make the reader believe that something is going on and then it's just like Oh, actually, go back and look at all of that because that was not happening. Now that like we're talking about like psychological thrillers and like actually like writing one in the process of it, my why dystopia <laughs> might actually have like some aspects of that because
than that because I think like my psychological thriller like background a lot of a lot of it is just like doing stuff like that where it's like you get to the end and you're like oh that's really cool what they did or like stuff like in the secret history where the huge like plot twist was revealed in the very beginning it's the first thing you read so you know what's happening but it's still just all of this stuff happens and it's like when you read it again it's like you're reading it for the first time because it just has so much more context that you're like oh that's what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah for me like now knowing that a lot probably a lot of my dystopia is like just based on the fact that I devoured psychological thrillers at an age where psychological thrillers were not supposed to be read. And once you read, just impacts your writing because then you don't even know you're doing it. It's like, oh. Like, literally, I was not expecting to do, like, a connectivity, but that's kind of what psychological thrillers do. They're supposed to kind of be, like, a maze. I don't even know how to figure out. Or, like, one of my all-time favorite books is and then there were none by agatha christie and such a good book because it's like that where there's just so many pieces of this puzzle happening and it does not come together at the end and there's uh a like a letter at the end that's not part of the actual book that reveals everything that happened it's just like Oh, I absolutely sense now. <laughs> I love like the Sherlock Holmes books, like Nancy Drew. Like I devoured those as a kid, and I, I think the gateway into psychological thrillers is like Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, like Cam Jansen, yeah. Encyclopedia Brown. Like I devoured those at like eight, nine, ten, yeah. and then I graduated too early. So like I went from like. Nancy Drew I went from like Cam Jansen and like ABC Mysteries to Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew and then I immediately jumped into John Grisham and Stephen King which I should not have done I I was big into Agatha Christie just because it's I love the like mystery but horror aspect like mystery is one thing Mm -hmm. but then you add in that psychological horror part it's just it makes it so cool would you do you have a psychological horror like in the works right now that you're even thinking about um not like off the top of my head but there's a lot of things that just like in the back of my mind that I think would be cool to write about just because I have always liked true crime like to me it's so interesting and I would love to take something like not based on a true story but just kind of like get an idea of like these things that happen and write something that is like a fiction thriller type of thing with that Mm -hmm. that I think would be cool and I just I think it would be good and this is like the short story I'm working on but for even just like a novel it would be I love writing from the perspective of the antagonist that is something that should be done more. I'm just pointing that out there. That is something that should be done more. And I'm so happy you're doing that. Yeah, it's my favorite thing to do just because it's like, okay, you can do a horror novel that's written from the protagonist, victim, whatever. Mm-hmm. But getting inside the head of the like the antagonist of it, the person who's doing these horrible things, 
makes it so much more interesting mm-hmm. because you follow along with that and you almost if you do it right you don't think that they're doing anything like it makes you believe the stuff that they're doing is like not justifiable but if you get in their head enough it's like you start to understand what's going on mm-hmm. and it's just like whoa <laughs> you get to the end and you're like what's going on in a way I feel like a lot of like realistic fiction and romance and all of like the fluffy stuff kind of goes hand in hand like historical fiction can also be in that realm but like there's psychological thriller there's dystopia there's you know horror there's all of like those separate genres but in a way like combining a rom-com with a horror or a psychological thriller I feel like that would be fun that would be really cool. I uh, I would like that. You that's <laughs> definitely something up your alley. Something like the I don't know, I like bad guy, I don't know what to call it, is like falling in love with this person and it's like they're doing all these terrible things on the side. Mm-hmm. But it's like they're super sweet and have this like rom com type vibe yeah. with this other person yeah. that's like just getting into that story that would be really cool are you actually considering writing something like that now i could yeah honestly i think that would be really cool like i just anything from the perspective of the antagonist or like another book i really like which i can't say i recommend to people because it is more r-rated than stephen king but american psycho that's concerning but okay I I like it. I'll explain myself. I like it because it takes it's why am I not? It's an allegory. Ah. Um, like stuff like Animal Farm, nineteen eighty four stuff, all, like all like that, and it does that, but about capitalism. Okay. And it is like if people feel like they can read something like that doing it knowing that it is this like allegory for that you're just like whoa this is so interesting because just the aspects in it that are like obviously these super horrific things Mm -hmm. but it's like basically the I mean antagonist but main character is I think everybody really like has heard of that but is basically going around admitting that he's doing all these things and everybody is just like mishearing him or interpreting it wrong in a way that it's like, oh, it's this huge allegory for capitalism. And it's like, knowing that is really cool that you can take something that is like this really horrific thing, mm-hmm. but make it something that is like really powerful like that in the sense that like, this is something really bad and if it keeps going like this like stuff like animal farm and all of those like Mm -hmm. really classic allegories fahrenheit 451 Um, made me so upset (laughs) like like anything like that and just doing that interesting take that makes people just think about it where it's like oh this is something bad Mm -hmm. and i think it does a really good job of that and getting you in the head of the guy who's trying to say that all of this is bad but it's really good if you can handle reading it it's a really good book 
American Psycho more R-rated than Stephen King. I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's bad. Like, I almost couldn't get through it because it's just like, but. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of stuff happens. Like, probably don't read it. <laughs> it it's really bad. But it's that's just, probably just going to get a whole bunch of people to, like, check it out of their local library or whatever. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Really, but, like, full disclaimer, like, actually don't read it if you can't yeah, handle it. No, really, really bad. Like, every, every trigger warning you could probably think of. Uh, <laughs> but. It, just the way it's done I feel like is so genius that but like from a psychology perspective oh it's like very well written it, like it's very like that is like textbook like perfect psychology for someone with that mindset mm -hmm. that it's just so casual like none of this stuff and I think that's a huge thing that uh, psychological thriller horror mystery um is like good at doing is just making all of these really horrific things and the people doing them just seem so casual because that's what scares people or gets them interested the most right that it's just like this is a normal person yeah and that that's the thing these are normal people in real life just going yeah. about their business well, these horrible people they're not like outwardly horrible people right. they wouldn't do the things that they do if they were so kind of understanding that and being able to convey that in mm -hmm. writing is something I really love to do so well I feel like we've done a lot of life talking <laughs> so my question for you is if you could tell the people like who are writing like psychology in fiction or like anything like how like you would approach psychology and writing like as a psychologist like reading fiction like what would you like to see the people write about um I think just really like for when you're writing stuff a do your research like don't just write it because you think you know it actually just get into it like even me like I've done this stuff for like this is my fourth year now I still look things up to make sure that I'm getting them right and I think as a reader that's what gets people interested when you're doing it right and when you're like really putting time and effort into it like it's all those funny like memes and stuff where it's like the google searches that writers do but it's true it's like do that so it's realistic because then like and for anything not just psychological thrillers like knowing the psychology and understanding your characters on a psychological level fully is what's going to make them believable characters rather than just like this is a fiction novel and these are not real characters it's you really need to know them on that psychological level because the best books have believable characters. They have unreliable narrators, really human yeah. aspects yeah. to them. You don't want to read something like, even in fantasy novels, you don't want to read something where it's just like, okay, this could never happen. It's the characters are like, even if they're not human, they still have human aspects if you're writing about them. 
So make it believable because that's what people want to see. And that's what's going to make your writing so much better. I definitely agree with all of that. In like, even for me, like my why realistic fiction, like people are like, oh, you don't need to research for realistic fiction. You don't need to. Yes, you do. You need to research for pretty much every genre. And like Grace said, research, but do your, and do your research well, because that's what's going to get people involved, whether it's like dystopia, romance, historical fiction, you know, any genre that you're writing, even like if you're writing a thesis or, you know, for, you know, a doctorate or a master's or like your undergraduate college education, you know, everybody does research. And in order for that's also like, for me, like, having gone through like traumatic experiences, like knowing that an author has done their research is like the best feeling in the world because I can tell that the author has done research and that is like, I don't care if the writing is like horrible. Yeah. Like I mean, I care, but I don't care as much. Like if they do the research and the writing is like, okay, then I'll, I'll finish the book and I'll enjoy it. Something can be the best written novel I've ever written, but if it's like just not believable, yeah, it could ever happen. It's like, okay, then it's not as entertaining. Right. Like, yeah, do your research on every little thing that you can because if you know your characters is people like I even on this podcast, if you were talking to one of your characters, that's like, that's what you want to write them as, like, as real people, not just like, oh, this is my character. It's like, this is somebody I know. Maybe that's actually like a characterization exercise. Like, basically pretend that you're giving the, like, the character that you're having trouble with, like, an interview. What is that something that you would definitely recommend? It helps a lot, like, writing dialogue, because a lot, like, you see a lot of, like, just dialogue based research how people talk <laughs> I have seen so many things where there will be like 10 year old children talking like they're full-fledged adults and it's like okay that's not really believable um, there are some 10 year olds that do that but like you said the general gist is like research like you maybe you don't have to go like fully into the psychology but like research enough that it's like yeah. believable is essentially right. what you're saying uh -huh. do enough so that and even when you're writing make sure you do like including the emotional aspects not just writing like oh I felt anxious describe the feeling don't say it like do enough research that you know okay how would this feel how would it look how would the person be feeling how would other people perceive it and write that because that's what's going to make your characters believable just do your research and as long as it's believable yeah me as a reader i would be happy with that yeah. it's like with emotions like you're not just gonna sit there and be like i'm sad right feeling things yeah so do that like definitely research like emotional aspects of a feeling definitely do like some physical and maybe even you know what is the third thing like emotional mental oh yeah emotional mental and physical there yeah. we go like definitely research those three things because every, that's what every reader wants is essentially like a writer who does their research and is like okay 
they cared enough to do research. So I'm a, maybe like, it's not my cup of tea, but I'm at least going to finish the book. Right, exactly. You know, well, thank you for being on the well, podcast and taking. Yeah, this is fun. Okay, bye.